ESPN. This is Bet LA with Anita Marks on 710 ESPN. And we're getting you set tonight with all the wagering and fantasy information you need for the NBA, MLB, golf. Bet LA with Anita Marks on 710 ESPN. Bet LA with Anita Marks right now. Welcome back to Bet LA here on 710 ESPN. Fat Jack joins the show. We haven't had him on in a hot second. Uh, you know, world traveler over there. Uh, so, Fat Jack, welcome in. How you doing? I'm doing great, Anita. Thanks. Yeah, it's NBA playoff time. Could it be much better? The only thing better is football season, I suppose. But, yeah, things are great. I am getting ready to do a little bit of traveling. But in the meantime, going to make some money. Kentucky Derby going this weekend. Uh, for all those dreamers and just flat-out gamblers out there, we got the best horse race in the world going. Uh, and a lot, lot more to make some money on as we head into May. Gosh, the year is flying by, but I'm excited about it. You doing okay? I'm doing great. Uh, you know, Fat Jack joining us from Las Vegas. He's uh, on his way to London. Then he hits Dubai. Then he's going to Greece. He's all over the place. So we're fortunate to have him on for a few minutes here this evening. As you said, let's talk about the NBA. And let's start in our own backyard with the Lakers going up against the Golden State Warriors. Lakers take one in in Golden State, at Golden State, of course, in the Bay Area, where they've only lost 13 games this season. So now they're up 1-0 on the series. Let's talk about Game 2 first. Lakers are favored by 6. The over-under is 227.5. Do you have a play in Game 2? Yeah, you know, it's, it's hard to get by the, the names on the front of the jerseys. And when you see Golden State at home, you see, see Steph Curry. I mean, guys are losing minutes off their life trying to bet either under or against Steph Curry at home over the last five or six years. And so it's hard to kind of get around that. But what we're seeing, I think, Anita, so far in this series, and I think going forward, is Golden State's inability to defend the inside game that the Lakers bring to the table. And frankly, everybody else is going to bring to the table as long as Golden State's in this tournament. And so I think that we're going to get more of the same. I, this is absolutely a rebound spot. You know, that zigzag formula has been a profitable thing in the playoffs where if you get one team to cover, especially on the road, it typically you'll get the home team bounce back in game two. I'm not so sure. I think what the Lakers are doing, and by the way, I see a lot of confidence being gained out of what the way that they're able to attack this Golden State team. I think we're going to get close games or Laker wins from here on out. I just It's a lot about horses for courses or a mismatch, and that's what we're getting here. Golden State, not that much worse overall than I think the Lakers are, but they do not match up well with what the Lakers do well. We're going to see more of that game, too. I like the Lakers plus the points. Uh, listen, you can lose minutes off your life playing the total under with Golden State because Curry is so good. But do, but I also know that the Lakers can slow it down. That also keeps the ball out of Curry's hands uh, as many times. So I would lean toward the under. There's always going to be un- value in the under, not only in this game, but throughout the playoffs, as the general public likes to go over these totals, uh, more times than not, you're going to see unders, and I think this game sets up well for that as well. So Lakers and under in game two. Uh, big picture here in regards to the series, uh, I think with the fact that the Lakers were able to take one from Golden State at home, we know how bad Golden State has been on the road. I don't see them winning one at the, uh, at the crypto arena. Uh, with that being said, Lakers minus 165 in the series. Do you have a play in the series? Yeah, what a sexy name, right? The Crypto Arena. I mean, we've really gone to the guy. I mean, <laughs> crypto time. I mean, let's get after it. Yeah, but you're right. I mean, Golden State, not been, not been good on the road. 
Uh, and I, again, it's, I think it's matchups. I think these two teams could play down there in, uh, in Malibu or play down in Venice Beach. I think we're going to have the same problems. They're going to have trouble stopping the inside game of the Lakers. And, and I, if the series ends and it goes 4-1 or so with the Lakers, are we going to really be that surprised? I mean, the, the Golden State had a down year after, after winning the title. They do have some problems. They have battled with some injuries. And frankly, they can't win on the road. This team getting this far has been just based on their top-tier talent. I definitely think it ends here. The Lakers, even if they don't shoot it well, a lot easier to shoot it good from right next to the basket as opposed to having to make three. So I, I think the Lakers win. I, I'm with you, Anita. I'm not sure how Golden State gets one on the road. Uh, let's take a look at the uh, the other Western Conference uh series that's happening and that's Denver going up against the Suns uh Denver up 2-0 in that series and now the Suns without Paul George um uh, Chris Paul because of a, a groin injury uh, the Suns are favored by three and a half in this third game at home the over-under is 224 and a half I love Denver dare I say sweep by the way no, I don't think you're wrong, and I'll tell you, it's, it, this time of year you look at not only injuries but what the injury is, and Chris Paul having a groin injury much bigger than Embiid having the a knee injury. Embiid still able to be a rim protector in that series, so you get him back after a game. Chris Paul, groin injuries for a quick movement type guard like he is, even as a distributor, becomes a big problem down the road, having nothing to do with his age. Uh, I think you're right. This is a, a – Phoenix team that has some weapons. Certainly uh, Durant's uh, the best player on the court most of the time, but he can't do it alone. I'm with you. I think Denver, you know, after after taking two at home, this is a, a, a Phoenix team that's ready to go play some golf, so I like Denver as well. <laughs> Listen, I, I, ain't, I, I ain't hating on you. It's it's I, Besides pickleball, it's my favorite thing to do. Um, you could wager that the Denver Nuggets are going to sweep the Suns, and you could get that at plus 420, plus 420, just FYI. Uh, let's talk about a series that's very near and dear to me because, as you know, I'm here in New York. Uh, the Knicks going up against the Heat, um, and so uh, the series now is tied up at one. It now heads to Miami. Uh, I won't say South Beach because we both know that the, the the American Airlines Arena is not on South Beach. But nonetheless, the Heat, they're favored by three. The over-under is 208 and a half. Jimmy Butler, we know he's dealing with an ankle injury. What are you thinking about game three, Fat Jack? Yeah, yeah. The American Airlines Arena is a Bayside, which is the uh, the safer more clean version of what South Beach has been lately. So you're actually better off hanging out base site, going to get you a mojito and going to the game over there. Some nice Cuban food down in that neck of the woods as well without having to go over that bridge and get stuck in traffic. Um, this They should pay me to watch this game at times. I look at the, uh, some of the shots that go up. They're bricks from everywhere. I think both of these teams, and I know but you, you have this series has, has your heart both ways. You, li- you live in the New York area. You, you've spent a lot of time and raised from, down in Miami. Born and raised in yeah. Miami, I know. <laughs> yeah, so it's a tough, tough to pick a winner here. Honestly, it's been what I thought with more defense, more times than not. But it's who who shoots the ball well at, at times. I mean, it's not even been great offense consistently uh, within the game. It's just who can play well at times. So Butler's certainly a huge part of what they do. But I'll tell you, with what Butler's injury, I look at Embiid's injury the same way. Philly, they're a totally different team. They're playing that high pick and roll when Embiid's in. When they're not, James Harden is shooting the ball from the stands, basically, and scoring 50. And, and, and Miami's similar. When, when um, Butler's in the game, they have a different vibe, a different idea, a different agenda. And so 
I would play under in this series. Literally, if they play 50 times, I'd play under. I promise I'd make money doing it. Long term, like, I think Miami may get them. This is a team. You want to talk about a team with grit and gut going right now. They absolutely are in a not flinch mode. They did steal the one up in the garden. So I would lean toward Miami. Interesting. I just I I like the Knicks here. Um, I just think they they have more depth uh, and um, and and more talent in regard to rebounding. We'll see what happens, especially with Jimmy Butler's uh, ankle injury. I'm really curious to see how uh, Game Three plays out. Uh, before I well, let you go, your neighbors will love the take on that. By the way, your neighbors will love the take on that. And we've been saying Miami should have been home a week, two weeks ago. So I'm not sure what they're still doing in it, but I'm not going to try to fight them. Before I let you go, right now as we speak, we've got a Celtics 76ers uh, game happening right now. This is game two. Boston came out really strong in the first half and was up by almost 10. But let's let's look big picture here. Embiid definitely does not look like vintage Embiid, the MVP from this season. Um, do you lean any way here in regard to the, the overall series between the 76ers and the Celtics? Yeah, I'll tell you, when I walked out, I played under, and I have no, I don't push my bets up much in the playoffs, but I did. I, I normally bet 10K. I put it up to 20K on under this one. Uh, when I walk out, this it was looking good, and it's because of Embiid's ability to fend the rim. Um, they are, he makes things so uncomfortable for those Boston guards uh, trying to drill penetrate. But as, to your point, he's not looked the same. He's certainly hurt. His, he's not elevating well, even though he's had a couple of big-time blocks in this game. Um, I think that that – and I, frankly, I think Boston's a better team. And so I think we're going to get spots where Philadelphia is going to hold their own. This, this to me, is the best series and the best two teams that are in the playoffs that are left. I think whoever comes out of this wins it all. I do think it's Boston eventually, but you're going to have to earn it. Take your heart and because this is one of those series I think is going to go down to the wire. And, indeed, you're getting the MVP of the league. Very difficult to, to beat him consistently when you can't take it to the rim. I think that we're in that situation, though. But I do, in the end, think class wins out here. And I'll take Boston not only win this series, but also win the entire thing. Great stuff, Fat Jack. Really do appreciate it. Uh, when we started uh, this segment, you mentioned um, the Kentucky Derby. Do you have a horse that you fancy on Saturday? Uh, absolutely. Absolutely do, Anita. But, you know, Steve Asmussen, the, the, the best trainer, the most uh, high-winning trainer in the country that most people don't even know about because he does it at Oakland Park and the fairgrounds and Louisiana Downs in the middle of the country. He's never won this race. He should have won last last year, but that Oklahoma connection um, got there at the end. Rich strike at 80-1. to 1. I think this is Asmussen's year. He had to wait, was punished for last year, but disarm 30-1. to 1. He is the, the North America is the most best trainer and highest winning winning winningest trainer. I think Disarm gets there. They never won the Derby. Also put it with hit show number one. He finished second in the Wood Memorial. So one eleven six fifteen. If you're boxing it out there, but eleven to get it done for Steve, Steve Asmussen on Saturday. Great stuff as always, Fat Jack. FatJackSports.com. That's where you can find him. Uh, safe travels, my friend, and we'll talk to you soon. I need to go get him. I'll see you soon. You got it. Uh, we come back, uh, of course, this is our first time back on air here on 710 ESPN since the NFL draft. There's some odds out there in regard to the Offensive Rookie of the Year. We'll dive into that next right here on Bet LA 710 ESPN. Anita Marks. Right now, let's get back to Bet LA and back to Anita Marks. 
All right, we just heard from uh, Fat Jack. Uh, we still are going to hear from Keith Stewart getting you ready for the Wells Fargo Championship uh, tea times really early tomorrow morning. Um, back with really, uh, last week was the Mexico uh, Open, and uh, of course we know Tony Finau won that. He was going up with his best, going going against his best friend, John Rahm. John Rahm and Scotty Scheffler not participating in the Wells Fargo, but still, you've got Rory, you've got Cantlay, um, you've got a number of really big names. It's going to be a really fun tournament. Rory is favored, so Keith Stewart is actually there in Charlotte, North Carolina at Quail Hollow. Uh, he's going to join us next on the program to do um, a look ahead, a preview in regards to the Wells Fargo, who to wager on. And Stormy Bone and Tani is going to join us. The XFL, we've been talking about the XFL throughout its season. Stormy Bonantani, part of ESPN's coverage. Uh, She's on the sideline of the majority of games each and every week. So uh, she's going to jump on board to give us a preview for the XFL championship that's taking place between the Renegades and the Roughnecks. And we'll talk some uh, some hockey with her as well. Uh, But right now, I just I want to take a minute and and talk to you about uh, the NFL Rookie of the year. Now, a lot of people don't like to wager on futures bets because really what you're doing is you're tying. So let's say, hypothetically speaking, you take my advice, you put your money down on this player that I'm going to tell you put money down on. Uh, you're you're not going to see that return on your investment until mid-February of next year. So a, 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 a number, that's a huge reason why a lot of people don't like to, to place futures bets. But um, the reason I, I like talking about futures bets is because the earlier you jump on them, um, the, the the sooner the sooner the the, the better odds you're going to get because as, as the season progresses, and if it does turn out to be the way that we're we're all expecting it to be, those odds are going to change day to day. So okay, so where does it stand right now? Um, Robinson, running back from Texas, who went number eight overall to the Atlanta Falcons, right now is favored to win the Offensive Rookie of the Year at three to one. Now, some history here in regard to uh, this this bet. The Offensive Rookie of the Year has been a wide receiver or a running back in seven of the last 10 seasons. Garrett Wilson and Jamar Wilson, uh, Jamar, Jamar Chase, sorry, won the award uh, the last two years. Um, each of the last five winners was selected in the top 10, and seven of the last 10 winners were selected in the first round. Just to kind of give you some perspective in, in regard to some of the trends and, and what you're looking for. So that leads to Robinson, right? Um, and and it could not have been drafted on a better team for a running back uh, with the Atlanta Falcons. The Falcons finished first in the league with 559 rushing attempts last season. Um, they were 13.7% under their expected pass rate. Um, after spending the number eight overall pick, of course, as we're talking about Robinson, you could expect him to be their workhorse for sure, right? Like, I, I don't expect them to change what they do especially after they drafted a running back in the top 10. So uh, two of the last three rookie of the years were quarterbacks. Um, If you go back further, three of the six, six of the 12, nine of the 18. So about 50, you've got a 50% chance that the rookie of the year will be a quarterback. Running backs have won five of their first eight, um, five of the first eight offensive rookies of the, of the start of the century, um, but have only taken four of the last 14. So again, just to kind of give you an idea, 
so so obviously you want to look for quarterbacks, but here's the thing. Um, looking at the quarterbacks that were drafted. So for example, Young drafted, as we know, number one overall. Uh, he's going to be competing with Andy Dalton. So, you know, will he be ready to start um, for Carolina? Uh, you know, that... that I, I don't I don't know. Will it be a true competition? If it is, I think Andy Dalton wins it. Uh, this is also this is a Panthers offensive line. They're just they're god awful, um, ranking anywhere between uh, twenty to twenty five to thirty in the NFL. So you're going to take a young quarterback, not a lot of great experience. Granted, went to Alabama. You're going to put him behind a subpar offensive line. And what weapons is he working with? There's no Christian McCaffrey. There's no DJ Moore. DJ Chark is leading wide receiver. So uh, there's a chance that Andy Dalton does start the season. Just keep that in mind. Even though he went number one overall to Carolina. Uh, Stroud goes to the Texans. Um, but and, and it might have the biggest ceiling in regard to year one because he does have uh, Laramie Tunsil on his offensive line. But his interior line is is a disaster. I'm not expecting big things from the Texans either. And it's not like they have a lot of weapons either. Now there's Anthony Richardson who went to the Colts number four overall, but my gut's telling me that Gardner Minshew is going to start for the Colts, at least to start the season. Anthony Richardson coming over from university of Florida, not a lot of experience. So I, I just share that with you just to say, yes, 50% of the time, the offensive rookie of the year is won by a quarterback. But this year, these three quarterbacks that went top four in, in the draft, unfortunately land in spots where I think they're going to struggle this year. So let's shelf that. Where am I going with this? You can get Jordan Addison, Wide receiver from USC. I know you guys know him very well. Drafted 23 overall to the Minnesota Vikings at 16 to 1. 16 to 1. The four receivers taken in a row during the first round. Addison lands in a spot with the cleanest path to targets. The Vikings threw the ball 672 times last season. The third most attempts in the league. I don't think that's I don't think that's going to stop now. Game stri- games drew them. Uh, that that type of volume in regard to uh, what they do offensively, and uh, and keep keep in mind, of course, you, you've got Justin Jefferson who's going to demand um, all the attention. Double team, it's really going to open up things for Addison, and he's not going to get out targeted. I'm not saying that he's going to get more targets than Justin Jefferson, uh, but I I think that and and T.J. Hawkinson, the tight end, might even get more targets than him. But Thielen is no longer there. So I'm expecting at least 100 targets for Addison in a solid passing game. Um, And again, Kirk Cousins, nothing to write home about, but is a solid quarterback. So I guess where I'm I'm rolling here is, yes, Robinson is the favorite. You can get that at three to one. I would definitely put money down on that. Even though quarterbacks 50% of the time win uh, the offensive rookie of the year. I'm not thrilled with any of the three top quarterbacks that went in the, in, in the top four rounds. And if you want a long shot, take Jordan Addison at 16 to one. He goes to the Minnesota Vikings is going to play in a really exciting offense. 
um, where, like I said, Justin Jefferson is going to get a lot of the looks and a lot of the attention that can really open up things for Jordan Addison this season. And at 16-1, to those are some really, really great odds. And that's how I would roll. So, um, anyway. All right, quick break. We come back. Like I said, uh, let's talk some golf. The Wells Fargo Championship uh, kicks off early tomorrow morning. Keith Stewart is out there. I like to say eyes and ears on the ground. Has been watching these guys on the driving range and practicing, getting us to know on who to wager on heading into tomorrow. So we'll be right back. Bet LA here on 710 ESPN. This is Bet LA with Anita Marks. Right now, let's get back to Bet LA and back to Anita Marks. Welcome back uh, to ESPN 710. Of course, uh, this is Bet LA getting you ready for the Wells Fargo that tees off bright and early tomorrow morning. And so uh, Keith Stewart joins us now, PGA professional, creator of Read the Line, also hosts his own weekly radio show uh, here in New Jersey, uh, The Pro Show with Keith Stewart, joining us now, who happens to be eyes and ears on the ground in Charlotte, North Carolina, for the Wells Fargo Championship taking place at Quail Hollow. So Keith, welcome in. How you doing? Oh, it is fantastic down here in the Queen City of Charlotte. I can't wait to get into this, Anita. Let's go. Uh, let's go. Let's go. Absolutely. So a few things. Uh, number one, this course, 7,500 yards. Um, this is a course where you're really looking for guys who grip it and rip it, right? Like, Share with me, like, what are the metrics that you feel you're going to need to win this week? Well, a couple quick things. It's been wet here in Charlotte. So if you think this is a long golf course, it's going to play longer. I've walked all 18 holes already this week. It is soft underfoot. The playing surfaces are perfect. Don't get me wrong, but it's a little soft. You can feel it. And they're not going to get the role that they got that everyone saw at the President's Cup when we were just here just about seven, eight months ago in September. So pay attention to that. Now, as far as the metrics go, if you look at the last 10 winners at Quail Hollow, so don't look last year because we were in Maryland. Look at the last 10 winners at Quail Hollow the the biggest strokes gained category was putting, not with the driver and not with the iron game. Those will matter, but make sure these green complexes are are really really like Augusta National. Make sure your guy can roll the roll the rock. If they're a great ball striker and you're looking for them to pop with the putter this week, move ahead to the Byron Nelson. Yeah. So and and they just they changed the greens right. Like, just recently. They did. You are correct. So one of the other skips, since since 2003, the Wells Fargo has been played at Quail Hollow Club up here in Charlotte, except 2017 and last year because they were preparing for the President's Cup to be hosted here. So in 2017, they tore up the greens and they redid them. Tom Fazio came in and did a redesign. So they're even more complicated than what George Cobb does you know, designed back in 1961. They are, they're impressive. And when you walk around, like I am on here on property, Anita, it's, they, they look challenging. It's, it's pretty cool. I'm sure. Um, and, and I hear they're running at like 13s. It's like a stupid number. No, I've, I've seen practice rounds <laughs> and then the programs today. It, honest to God. I mean, you, you know me, I, I'm watching, I'm a PGA pro by trade. So I've played, played in plenty of programs. 
these poor people today, they're, they're doing a bucket list item for most of them. They're out playing today, and they can't hole out because it's literally like they're, they're playing hockey better than the Rangers did the other night. It's, it's unbelievable. Ouch. Ouch. That hurts. Uh, again, Keith Stewart oh, joining us God, here on, on, on Bet LA. Um, okay, with that being said, no John Rahm, no Jordan, uh, no uh, um, Scotty Scheffler. They both have decided to forego this tournament. Rory comes in after not making the cut at the Masters and then uh, deciding, you know, he needs some time to regroup, mentally get right. He's back in action. He's he's favored to win at 7 to 1. Patrick Cantlay right behind him at 12 to 1. Tony Finau who just won in Mexico right behind him at 14 to 1. Shoffley at 16 to 1. Hovland, Victor Hovland at 18 to 1. Um, and Jordan Spieth at 18 to 1 as well, along with Cam Young, Justin Thomas at 21, 20 to 1. Uh, right now, who's your favorite coming in that you feel the most confidence that can win this bad boy? I can't talk enough about Jordan Spieth right now. The type of golf he's playing is similar to the type of golf he played in 2015, where he contended, if not won, every single major championship that the year presented. In his last five starts, he has four top four finishes. And we're talking about the Masters, the players. I mean, these types of events, RBC. I mean, he, he's gained against the field, not just putting, not just iron game, but strokes gained total. He's 10-plus strokes he's gaining against the field in those five starts. He's number one in the field for birdie or better percentage. You're going to need that this week. I know that the average winning score over the last 10 years is only 13 under par. But you're going to need 20 birdies because this is a major championship venue. I, I can't say enough good things. Depending on the book that you get from here to L.A., you, you're somewhere around 22, 21, 20. Whatever you can get Jordan Spieth at, if you're in a state that just joined like Massachusetts and you can get a boost, boost Jordan Spieth, take him, he's your winner. Yeah, I, I like Jordan Spieth a lot. Um, he loves this track. Again, uh, this track hosted the President's Cup. And his matches, he went 5-0-0. Um, a guy that I do like to finish in the top five is Cam Young. Second in total driving. Third in driving distance. Great on key to green. Is there somebody out there that you're looking at that you like to finish in the top five? Oh, top five. I'll definitely go Rory there. I mean, 11 trips here, three wins, uh, an endless number of top tens. This is the type of place. And, you know, the last time that he won here, he also missed the cut at the Masters. So if you tell me that it's May and it's mental health month, I get it. But that's okay. Rory's coming to a place where he feels good about. It's like meditation to him. I, there's no doubt in my mind that he's, he's, a, he's a bank at top ten. Top five, you'll get better plus odds. And for all, me, for, for all intents and purposes – I'll go Rory there for sure because it's like guaranteed money down here at the Wells Fargo Bank. <laughs> I like that. Uh, Rory to finish in the top 10 is at even money. To finish in the top five is plus 190. Um, Wyndon Clark is a guy that I like to finish in the top 10. He's coming in with really good form, top 15 in strokes gained total last three months, and eighth in driving distance. Is there somebody that you're looking to finish in the top 10? Ooh, the top 10? Uh, golly, I love Wyndham Clark to win this thing. You know, six. Oh out of wow! The last okay, that that makes me, that makes me feel good. Oh, Anita, let's talk for a second, right? Six <laughs> of the last ten winners 
on Quail Hollow property, right, for the Wells Fargo. So we, we talked about how you skip a couple there. And watch your resources this week, people, because if they're talking about last year's stats, they don't know what they're talking about. Anita and I, we're not talking about those things. The last, six of the last ten have had odds of plus 5,000 or greater. So at the end of the day, this place, as much as it's kind of a big deal, and it is a big deal, don't get me wrong, it is a shrine to golf. There have been some winners here. Everybody loves Max Homa. Oh, Max Homa at Quail Hollow. This is great. He was great at the President's Cup. He was a field bet when he won here. He was plus 50,000. He was 500 to 1 to win. So when you look at a guy like Wyndham Clark, if you loved him last week in Mexico, if you loved him there, it's a long golf course. This is a long golf course. Last week he's in the press room following John Rahm. This week he's a nobody. Well, guess what? He... He obviously reacted that way in the first round, and he didn't play very well. This guy has nine straight top 40 finishes. His strokes gained is off the charts. It's like Jordan's. I think he could win this week. I honestly do, Anita. So top 10, I'm in with you. I'm totally in with you. We're in the same Uber, and we're going to the same party. Let's do it. I love it. I love it. Another guy that you guy that you and I are, are on, I know for sure, uh, in regard to the text message you sent me earlier today is 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 Taylor Moore. I like him to finish in the top twenty at plus two eighty. Good at the Valspar, solid masters play, twelfth in scrambling, eleventh in putting. You're talking about how important putting is going to be. Why do you like Moore and where do you have him finishing? So Moore, definitely top forty, definitely top twenty. He could be even a little bit better. Um the reason that I text you that was because when I was at the RBC Heritage a couple weeks ago, I hadn't seen a lot of Taylor Moore since he won. And I, I wasn't really familiar with him as a player. And I was really impressed with his scoring capabilities. And, you know, sometimes these names pop up. Nobody knew who Cam Young was before he became Cam Young or Will Zaltor. So don't talk to me about, like, you know, oh, I know this guy. Taylor Moore is a thing. He is definitely one of these guys that is going to be around for a little while. Like, will he become, you know, the next Max Homa? I don't know. But he could be a Matt Kuchar for a long time because the way that he hits his wedges and he putts and he scores around the green and he pitches and he scores on par fives, this is a solid character. And he was, what, top 10 there at RBC. I followed him for, like, probably 15 straight holes, and I watched him, and I would, from a PGA Pro's perspective, I was looking for holes in the game, and I didn't see any. So – until he proves me otherwise, he's definitely one of those guys that I'm just all over top 40. Certainly, if you talk to me about top 20, his skill set for here, the length and the putting, the combination of the two, uh, I could be talked into that very easily. I'm with you again. Uh, last but not least, uh, give me some Ricky Fowler to finish in the top 20 at plus 170. He's made 10 straight cuts, seven top 25s. He's got 30 th- 33 rounds here at Quail Hollow. Um, give me one last play from you. Who who are you looking at maybe to finish in the top 20 or top, top 40? The only thing that's missing from Ricky Fowler this year is the longer hair. That's I'm telling you right now. <laughs> if you go back to 2012, and you're going to love this. Again, when I put out on Read the Line today, the newsletter dropped this morning, these are the guys that I'm touting. Okay? Wyndham Clark. Love it. Wyndham at Wells. But Ricky... He's done everything that Wyndham's done, that Jordan's done, that, honestly, that Tony Finau has done as a ball striker. Okay? If you look at the numbers, he's got eight straight cuts this year. He's got five top 15 finishes, Ricky. 
He does. This is a comfortable place for him. Even in the lean years, he had a couple top tens here, Anita, right? Even in the years where Ricky kind of faded away for a second, right? In 10 visits, he's got four top tens, only one missed cut. He's got one win. I saw him in the press room today. He looks very casual. He looks just like, like without the hair and the full goatee, he looks just like he's back in the Captain Jack Sparrow days. He is just carefree, just running around. And I, I really feel like a guy like him at this place, just like Rory getting comfortable again when he's been uncomfortable, I think Ricky's been building up towards something, right? He's gaining strokes gain total, six-plus strokes against the field in his last five starts. So when we start to talk about why guys like Finau win or why guys like Rom win or whatever, right, that's why Spieth and Fowler – at a, at a major championship venue like this, these are world-class players, and they're about, they're, they're about to go back to elite status. And I, I love Ricky. You, you could say top whatever, top three, and I'm betting them because I'm betting them to win. Again, you can get him in the top 20 at plus 170. Keith, thank you so much for spending some time with us this evening. Really do appreciate it. Uh, in, enjoy the tournament this week. Oh, man. This place is absolutely fantastic. It's like Augusta National of North Carolina, and it's a pleasure to be here. It's a pleasure to be with you, Anita. All the best to your L.A. audience. You got it. Keith Stewart joining us. Uh, Stay tuned. Stormy Bonantani joins us next. We'll talk some XFL as well as some NHL futures. Uh, We'll end the show strong with Stormy next, right here on 710 ESPN. Right now, let's get back to Bet LA and back to Anita Marks. Welcome back to Bet LA. Stormy Bonantani joins us now. Stormy, we have finally arrived to the championship, my friend. The Arlington Renegades going up against the DC Defenders. Uh, DC favored by six. The over under is 46 and a half. Boy, has it been a road to get here. How excited are you for the championship? Yeah, absolutely. I'm pumped. And it's still such a crazy matchup. Obviously, the D.C. defenders have been the best team in the league all season long, and their record shows it. But I don't think a lot of people, despite how, how much like people liked Arlington early on with Bob Stoops being their coach, like they largely have been brutal to watch throughout the course of the season. Let's call it spade a spade. They were a four-win regular season team. No one as this, te- as this team progressed throughout the season thought that they would be in this position, yet here they are, and their offense has been reinvigorated with Luis Perez. It's going to be a fun game, I think. I The bet that I pulled the trigger on right away was actually the total. I bet the over 46-and-a-half, and – Death taxes and DC overs, right? 10 and 1 to the over throughout the course of the season. They average around 30 points per game. Arlington, like I said, they've gotten so much better. The addition of Luis Perez has added, just on a per game basis, over six additional points, over 100 yards more per game with his presence. They're moving the football more. They're actually scoring offensive touchdowns, which is a new and unique thing for this Arlington squad. So I've I'll bet the over 46 and a half. I'm definitely going to be looking for live betting opportunities 
to see if I can get a lower number as well, if it's a slower starting game like we've seen with so many D.C. and Arlington games throughout the course of the season. So if I can get a lower number and bet a live over, that would be great. I was on the sideline for their regular season meeting a few weeks back, and D.C. led 26-9 to after three quarters, and then Arlington just comes all the way back as 10-point underdogs to force overtime. They eventually lost 28-26. And so as far as the side goes, I'm really battling the thought process of was that a product of D.C. just taking their foot off the gas and letting up? Or did Arlington really find something in that D.C. defense they could penetrate and take advantage of come championship day in San Antonio? I lean laying the points with D.C., but I'm on the fence right now. So the over is my favorite way to play this. I like it. Um, this is an Arlington team. They beat Houston 26-11, to 11, holding them to less than 100 passing yards. Um, their wide receiver, uh, Arlington's wide receiver, Peyton, had two touchdowns. Uh, their running back, Smith, had 94 rushing yards. And, uh, and, and, and I, I love the, the little clip that ESPN was showing Stormy with Bob Stoops. What did he say? Like, how the heck did that happen? Like, Bob Stoops was yeah. surprised. <laughs> That, that they even they even beat Houston. So, you know, so I guess my, my question is, you know, I'm with you. I'm on the D.C. side. I'll lay the points. Um, I like the over here as well. I think you're spot on there. But, like, how does this Renegades team find the confidence after they see their coach going, how the heck did that happen as he's shaking hands? Right? Yeah, I think that I think that it's not necessarily, like, how the heck did that happen? Like, we're not good enough to be here, but just the way that that game played out, I don't think they expected to dominate to that extent. And um, I feel like, if anything, just ignore what Bob Stoops had to say there in the in the post game because they've clearly been playing with a lot more confidence lately. And to your point about their defense, they have been such an under team throughout the course of the year because that defense has been so effective and the offense has been largely non-existent until the last handful of weeks. And so the fact that they've put the offense together, they're definitely clicking at a different level and it's positive. And I think that they're going to come into this game with a mindset to, of course, try to win and continue to build on all of the great things that they have. I just think that DC is going to be too much for them. And I think of, how many times I've covered the defenders and getting to know Reggie Barlow as well as I have and how geared up he will have this team. You don't have a regular season like that. I mean, it would be an, one of the biggest ultimate letdowns and disappointments if D.C. has the regular season that they have and then they don't come away with ultimately winning the title. I've been so impressed with Jordan Ta'amu and – the ability that he's developed from not just being a rushing quarterback early on in the season to really developing his arm and moving the football downfield. Still, D.C. is the best rushing team in the XFL. So if there's any team that's going to give Arlington's defense a problem, it's going to be the defenders, in my opinion. Again, Stormy Bonantani joining us here on 710 ESPN. Um, enough with the XFL. Another one of your specialties is the NHL. And tonight, unfortunately, at least in my neck of the woods, uh, the New Jersey Devils lose to the Hurricanes 5-1. Um, I, I, I love the Devils in this series, even though now they're down 1-0. What are your thoughts in this series? 
Yeah, I guess Akira Schmid got brought down to earth a little bit after having the best goals against average in save percentage in the opening round. But it's interesting because throughout the course of what I think is going to be a longer series, I think that that'll play more into New Jersey's hands simply because of the depth and health issues that you see on Carolina. I really feel like throughout the course of a long series, that's going to catch up with them. And, and I love the Hurricanes. I used to live in North Carolina. I love to cheer on Rod Brindamore and his squad, the toughness and grit that they bring and play with, um, and their special team's ability. Even when Andre Svechnikov went down with a season-ending injury at the end of the regular season, I still was a believer in Carolina. But then round one just kind of turned me off a little bit because even though they beat the Islanders in that set four games to two, they never looked particularly impressive to me against the Islanders. They scored just enough um, against a team that had a lot of offensive problems all year long. And I think without Svechnikov, without Tara Vinen, Max Pacioretty, all these just top-level players, it's going to be a really hard go against the Devils team that has – a ton of energy and youth and excitement. And they almost have this aura of being too young and dumb to care. And I mean that in the most complimentary and best way possible. Like I think game one was probably just a letdown spot for them coming off a series where they beat their biggest rival in the New York Rangers. And think about the loss that they just had five, one, That's the same score that they lost game one to the Rangers and game two. So I would not be surprised whatsoever if New Jersey bounces back and wins this series. And after that loss, you're going to get a better plus money price for them. Stormy, I got about two minutes left uh, in the segment, but I want to get uh, your picks in here. Vegas and the Oilers are playing right now as we speak. Big picture here in regards to the series. Who do you favor? Yeah, I feel like I'm a Vegas apologist this postseason because so many people in the betting community I trust, people I respect that cover the sport, all love Edmonton. The Oilers are a favorite now to win the Cup all of a sudden. But those same people loved Winnipeg, Anita, last round, and the Golden Knights beat them in five. This is a VGK team that had their winningest regular season in team history. They won the division over Edmonton. The Oilers were 9-0-1 that final 10-game stretch of the regular season and still couldn't catch up. And I think the Golden Knights are going to get a little motivation from being counted out here. The worry, of course, is Edmonton's power play. Best in like the history of the game this season. They were on fire against the Kings. But the Golden Knights are extremely disciplined. They're the least penalized in the NHL, which I think will be critical here. They're great defensively. So I do like the Golden Knights as a dog in this set. Florida Maple Leafs, who you got? I got the Leafs. Um, It was a a tough one, but I think similar to what they did in the first round where they lost game one at home to Tampa, bounced back with a game two, seven, two win. I like the Leafs to bounce back in game two and to win the set. Kraken in the Stars. Similar situation there. The Kraken carried over a lot of great emotion from their win over Colorado. I just don't think that they're there yet in their second season in existence. The Stars are so good. Jake Ottinger is not going to give up four first-period goals again. And if Joe Pavelski can get a little bit of goal support from his line mates, they're going to be in a good shape the rest of the series. Stormy, you rock. Always appreciate you, girl. Um, and enjoy the uh, the well. <laughs> Enjoy the championship on Saturday. Yes, thank you. You too. See you soon. Bye. You got it. All right, so that concludes our show. We've got you locked and loaded as always. XFL, NHL, Wells Fargo that starts tomorrow morning. 
Um, some futures bets in the NFL in regards to the Offensive Rookie of the Year. Fat Jack with some NBA. Dan Torgman with some Kentucky Derby. Puck Daddy. And a lot of Lakers talk with Andy Kamenetsky uh, here on 710 ESPN. Everybody, thank you so much for tuning in. Have a great week and, uh, and good luck betting.